Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez reporting today from Fresno. A strike by workers at a Chevron refinery in the Bay Area city of Richmond could mean more bad news for already high California gas prices. Chevron says it plans to continue normal operations at the plant despite the walkout. But UC Berkeley professor and energy expert Severin Bornstein says even a modest supply disruption could spell trouble at the pump. Losing your unionized workforce is going to be some concern. And if we do end up seeing a hiccup, which is certainly more likely at least now, uh, then I think that even if we lost just a few percent of the state's output, I think that that would cause prices to jump substantially. And if we lost the full output from that refinery, more than 10% of the production for the state, uh, that would be a very big jump in gas prices. The strike involves more than 500 members of the United Steelworkers Local 5, whose leaders have been in contract talks with Chevron executives for months. Union negotiators want the company to address worker complaints about pay, insurance costs, and long hours. Negotiations between the two sides broke down over the weekend after the union rejected the latest offer from Chevron. And in other labor news, thousands of Southern and Central California grocery workers have started voting on whether to authorize their union to call a strike against several major supermarket chains. About 47,000 workers at more than 500 Ralph's, Albertsons, Vaughn's, and Pavilion stores are eligible to vote. The possible strike would involve grocery clerks, meat cutters, pharmacists, and pharmacy technicians, represented by seven locals of the United Food and Commercial Workers Union. Negotiations ended without an agreement before the latest three-year contracts expired this month. A strike and lockout in 2003 and 2004 for nearly 70,000 Southern California grocery workers lasted for more than four months. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.
Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. A California inmate originally from Cambodia is awaiting a final approval for parole, but he fears that rather than be released to his family, he could get locked up again by immigration authorities and even deported. Advocates in his family say the stakes are high since he was paralyzed in a prison softball accident. And as KQED's immigration editor Tyke Hendricks reports, they're calling on Governor Gavin Newsom not to cooperate with U.S. immigration and customs enforcement. Vitya Jung was just three when his family fled the genocidal Khmer Rouge regime in Cambodia in the early 80s. They settled in Long Beach as refugees, and Jung found a sense of security in a gang there. When he was 16, he fired a gun at rivals chasing him, and he killed someone. Jung was tried as an adult, convicted of murder, and sent away to prison. Now, 25 years on, he's won approval for release from the state parole board. Try to rehabilitate myself. I took classes. Inside, Jung enrolled in support groups and restorative justice programs. He became a teacher's aide and joined sports teams. I did everything that it took before I went to my pro board hearing. It kind of like shocked him a little bit because I did everything before they even asked me to do it. He did all that before the 2017 accident that left him paralyzed from the neck down. I spoke with him over Zoom from the prison nursing facility where he lives now. His sister, Terry Honoré, joined the conversation from the family home in Long Beach. She says it was tough to discover that her brother could face deportation today because years ago, their parents didn't understand that even though they were permanent residents, real permanence depended on becoming naturalized U.S. citizens. No one ever explained that to us. We came here with the understanding that we escaped the war and we are an American. Honoré was shocked to learn that when ICE puts a detainer on a non-citizen inmate, California prison officials will transfer the person to ICE instead of releasing them. Her brother needs help with the most basic activities, and she says her family fears what could happen to Jung if he's deported to Cambodia, where they have no relatives left to care for him. We're like, he's just going to die. That's all my dad said. When he said that, my heart just sank. It was really scary. They also worry that Jung's health could deteriorate in immigration detention, since ICE has been sued over inadequate care for people with disabilities. Here's Jung's lawyer, Anup Prasad, at the Asian Law Caucus in San Francisco. The level of just medical neglect at baseline in ICE facilities is horrific. ICE did not provide a comment in response to KQED's requests. But last September, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas issued guidelines that focused enforcement priorities on people who pose a threat to national security, border security, or public safety. Prasad says Jung is no threat. Given how uh, severely injured he is, um, there's really no plausible argument that he poses a danger to the public or that there's any continued purpose in incarcerating him. 
Prasad says assuming Jung's parole, ICE should use its discretion and leave him be. But what we've seen in practice is that ICE is treating anyone with a past criminal conviction as a danger. Jung's supporters are focusing their attention first on California prison officials and Governor Newsom, organizing a rally on Friday in Los Angeles to urge them not to turn Jung over to ICE. Right now, the ball is really in the governor's hands when it comes to granting parole, but also choosing whether or not he's going to contact ICE. The governor's office referred KQED's request for comment to state prison officials. They said in a statement that the agency responds to detainer requests from all law enforcement agencies, including ICE. Terry Honore says if a person like her brother is locked in ICE detention, it becomes much harder for them to build the case that they should not be deported. I believe it's a human right issue, so I hope that they can look at it from a personal point of view. She says she hopes the legislature will support a bill called the Vision Act that would block California prisons from transferring most immigrants to ICE when their sentences are complete. For The California Report, I'm Tyke Hendricks. And that is The California Report for Tuesday, March 22nd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Support for The California Report comes from Paint Care. Now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Personal Capital helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor, personalcapital.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. 